Hey there, thanks for joining us. This podcast is put out into the world by Living Water Community Church, located in Ypsilanti, Michigan. I'm Pastor Clark Cothern. If you'd like to know more about Living Water, or if you'd like to drop us a note, or if you've got a question, or if you'd like to have us pray for you, head on over to lw-cc.org. Now, let's join today's podcast in progress. We're continuing in our study. First Peter, we're in chapter 2, and we learned last week that Peter told us it's biblical to be peculiar, something for which some of us are very grateful. But we also learned what peculiar meant, and that in a sense, because of the original word for that, translated from Latin, it meant that we are God's chosen, precious possession. Or that if we're in Christ, we're His special sheep, one of His lambs among His particular sheepfold, and He's the great shepherd. So that's what it means to be peculiar. But if you're in Christ, if you are His chosen, prized possession then the world is going to look at you differently simply because you're different than the world. And so we're starting to learn what does it mean to be peculiar and how can we be peculiar? It's almost like somebody was interrupting Peter as he was writing his thoughts and said, yeah, but Peter, how? I've done a little writing in my time and I used to have one of my editors ask me that all the time. He'd say, you got me hooked, but now I need to know how. He kept asking that a lot. And so Peter must have been asked that because it's like he said, okay, I'll, I'll show you how. And so he went on to write the rest of chapter 2 for us, which is starting to show, and here's how you can be peculiar as well. Aren't we glad to know that the writers of what we now know as the gospel, this New Testament, the new covenant for us, all these writers were inspired so that God continues to point all to these things that are still relevant and practical for us today. So, how do you feel when? I'm going to describe a couple of scenarios for you. Let's start with kids. We've got a few of the older kids here. Let's say that toward the end of your day, which would be around 3.15 or so, your teacher, and if you're a homeschooler, that means it's probably your mom, says to you, now you promised to get this report written and to have it in by the end of the school day, and it's not done yet. So that next activity that you want to do You can't do that until you turn in this report because you promised that you would have that done. How does that make you feel? Or let's say that you're at work and you're an adult and you're looking at your clock or your phone because nobody looks at their clocks anymore. You look at your phone and you think, ooh, it's going to be tight. I'm going to have to wrap things up quick. I have to get home because it's going to be just enough time to throw on a clean shirt and I got to go with my spouse to that birthday party at our friend's house And I'm probably going to be late if I don't get out of here right away. And just as you're thinking that thought, in walks your boss and puts another manila folder into your inbox and says, oh, I have a meeting. I just found out about it, and it's tomorrow morning, and I've got to have a two-page report on these figures in my box before you leave work today. Because if I don't have it by this afternoon, I won't have time to prepare for that meeting tomorrow at 8 o'clock. So I need it tonight before you leave the office. And you've just looked at your watch. How do you feel about that? In both of those scenarios, did you just leap with joy and say, I have a chance to be peculiar. I'm so glad that somebody asked me to do something difficult because now I get to submit to their authority. I love submitting to authority. 
If you're like most Americans, I suspect that your thought was probably, ooh, I oughta. There's something about all of us that we tend to have a little anti-establishment, a little anti-disestablishmentarianism that resides in the heart of most Americans because we're a little anti-authority, aren't we? Last week, be peculiar this week, here's how. It has to do with real-life situations just like the one I've described when we're pushed to do something by an authority figure. How do we respond to that? That's exactly where Peter is taking us in this particular part of his letter. Now, I'm going to lay this one on you and see if you agree with it or not. Jesus followers, as far as I know, that would be majority, vast majority of us in this room today, Jesus followers should be more respectful of authority than anyone else on the planet. How does that strike you? Do you think, oh man, I've got my work cut out for me because I think that. There have been times, even this past week, when I thought, I don't know how I would get on my report card about the way I behaved in this certain situation. I think we're constantly forced into situations that stretch us in this particular area, but we should be. And I think Peter's going to tell us that, and we're going to see why it's important that we are the most respectful of authority than anybody else on the planet. There's a little anti-authority in all of us. There's something about that little imp in my pocket that when we were in Scotland and we were out at Urquhart Castle by Loch Ness and I saw that sign, (laughs) it just makes you want to step over the edge, doesn't it? And that's just true for all of us, I think. Well, let's set the stage for where we are in the original time when Peter was writing this letter and we'll see how relevant he really is to us today. Nero was the emperor of Rome Rome was this vast, great city. It was sprawling and had grown really too fast, so it couldn't be planned very well, and so it was a sprawling kind of a mess. And Nero was the emperor, had been for 10 years, and yet he only became the emperor at age 16, and his approval ratings were kind of down at that time. So he was trying to find something that would help improve his political standings, And guess what he needed? He needed a good enemy. Now, if you watch any political intrigue movies and things like that, you'll know that a good politician knows how to rally the troops against a common enemy. And he needed one. And guess who the enemy became for Nero? The Christians. That's why we read about the atrocities that he uh, provoked and, and was responsible for, including some terrible things that you'll read about by early historians like Tacitus, who was eight years old at the time that Rome burned and then later wrote about some of these incidents, we find that there was one time when we're marching people into this one part of Rome and there were torches lining the streets heading into there. But as you got closer, you found out that they weren't actually torches. The flammable material on those wooden stakes were Christians. And they were burning as people would be marched into Rome. That's the kind of stuff that Nero is responsible for. There are also some evidences, there are huge rumors that were flying at that time that Nero may have actually started or have started the fires that wound up burning for six days, and they finally got it mostly under control, smoldered for another three days. Two-thirds of the city of Rome burned in that fire. But he blamed it on the Christians. And he, that was the first time that we ever heard of fake news. It was back here. It wasn't today on the internet. 
It was Nero spreading the terms that probably it was these despicable Christians because they're trying to take over everything, and they probably started that fire. Tacitus wrote about that, and he gathered his sources from well-known people back in the day. So Peter starts saying things, given that as our background, think how wild it is for Peter to say this. You'd expect him to say, if I were Peter writing it that day, I would say, okay, Christians, let's get our weapons together because we're going to go against Nero because we've had it. But look what he says. It's completely the polar opposite. He says, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority. And if he had stopped there, we could have probably put in a parenthesis in our own mind, except Nero. But he doesn't stop there. He says, whether to the emperor, meaning Nero, as the supreme authority, and then he goes on to to do some others, as we'll look at in a minute. So he's not letting anybody off the hook. Even in the face of this stuff, which he probably wrote a few years after the fire, of 64, which would have been on par with things like the San Francisco fire back in the 1800s or the Chicago fire. It was enormous, massive loss of life and property. And he says, but submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor or to governors and other appointed people. So there was that fire in Rome, honor the emperor in 1 Peter 2.17, as though we have already forgotten before he gets to verse 17. He wants to make clear that it's that. Or to governors, he said, who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. He's giving us a clue about what God's intent for government is to be. If people were following God's created order, we would have governments that would make sure that justice is being accomplished in the land so that the bad people would get punished And the good people would be rewarded. That's what a government is supposed to be there for, to make this a safe and wonderful, verdant environment for all of us. Doesn't really happen all the time, but all you have to do is visit some other third world countries and come back to the U.S. and you realize ours is imperfect, but it's still a much freer place to live than a lot of places on the planet. And that's because we do have government that's trying, by and large, to look out for the interests of the downtrodden. When God's intention for the government is not being realized, we see things breaking out like we've been seeing and praying about in Haiti, and like I've mentioned before from our friend Gary Cross, who lives in Zimbabwe, as they're continuing to downward spiral, similar to Haiti's situation. Two countries that have just had ups and downs and ups and downs, and it just seems like, when are they going to ever break that cycle and break out of that? They just keep going down into that mass of humanity that tend to, tends to turn against each other. So when God's intention for government is not being realized, things devolve. That's what was happening in Rome. And yet, in that setting, Peter still says, submit to authority. Wow. For it is God's will, he says, that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Now, he was the one, Nero, that started that fake news There were probably things being said about those Christians, those little Christs, that were not very nice. And he was saying, but by submitting to authority, by being the kind of Christ-like examples where you are, people who know you are going to come to your defense, and they're going to say, oh, the Christians aren't like that. I know a guy. I know Christians. They're not like you've just described at all. You think that's relevant for us today? Oh, buddy. You bet it is. Have you ever had anybody gossip something that wasn't true about you and you found out about it later? We probably all have at one time or other. 
when that happens, it sure is easy to want to set the record straight. You want to grab your bullhorn. You want to march over to that person's house and click it on. Uh, may I have your attention, please? I want to set the record straight. This was said, but this is what really, ha isn't that how you feel? You want to set the record straight. And Peter's saying, no, just live a good life. Submit to authority. Live in such a way that anybody who's looking at you will have to compare that with what they've been hearing about those Christians. And they'll say, well, they're saying this about you, but you're very different because I'm seeing a lot of really Christ-like attributes being lived out through your life. And so I'm not going to buy the lie I'm going to look at the truth, and the truth is seen in our behavior. Today's perception, those Christians, do you think that maybe we're living in a time that's not too dissimilar from 64 AD? There's a lot of stuff being written about and talked about, about people's perceptions of Christianity in general. It's so easy for all of us as humans, and I've been guilty of this, to paint another people group with a broad brushstroke. And people do that for Christians. They think that Christians must be bigoted, we must be narrow-minded. We must be old-fashioned. We must be prejudicial in some ways. Perhaps we're sexist. Whatever it is that they're describing us as, that's what they think of, that all Christians must be that way. And if we're going to take this from Simon Peter in his letter, I think he would be talking to us right now in 2019, and he would say, you just keep living your life in a way by submitting to other people when it's appropriate, living your life as an example, be salt and light, Let's let people make up their own mind about what they think, because then they'll say, well, now, wait a minute, I know a Christian, and they're not like this big, broad, brushstroke description like I hear about. So let's silence the foolish talk about Christians, act like Christ. What a concept. Is there any time when you have to defy authority? Now, that question came up in a recent conversation I had with several coffee guys, and I applaud people who will stand up, because sometimes we need to be authoritative and sometimes we as Christians have kept too silent and we've allowed things to go on without speaking up. So there are times when we need to defy authority. We just talked about that not too long ago in one of my messages from Peter because we talked about John and Peter were there in the book of Acts. They got arrested. These religious leaders, the Sanhedrin and some others were there. They were saying, we command you not to speak about this Jesus Christ fellow the way you have been. And what does Peter say? Oh, okay, well, because I'm going to submit to your authority, I'll shut my mouth. You won't hear from me again. That's not what he says here. He says, how can you stop us? We have a song that talks about that. How can we stop? I'm a little ADD today, but there's a song. How can we keep from singing your praise? Peter's saying that essentially. He's saying, how can we stop from talking about Christ? No, we're not going to stop talking about him. He's the resurrected Lord for Pete's sake. So we're, we're going to keep talking about him. I don't care what you say. You can command us not to, but we're going to keep doing it. So there are times to, to speak up, and we need to defy authority if he's commanding us to do something that goes completely against what his word says. Uh, there was a fellow who spoke up because he saw some things happening that was basically what amounted to indecent exposure, and he spoke up and said, this is not right. I think it's okay for people to speak up when things like that are happening. I was at a football game. There were lots of adults around, but there were also lots of younger children around, a lot of minors. And there's this one young kind of uh, self-appointed punk kid who was trying to be all ghetto. And he was just spewing all kinds of profanity right and left as loudly as he could to the people he was with. And nobody was saying anything. And I thought, okay, I'm the self-appointed guy, I guess. 
I'm going to speak up. And I said, is it really necessary for you, to, for you to speak that way? So there's a lot of children around, and I don't think they need to be hearing that kind of talk. And when I said that, a lot of the other people around me were like, yeah. They, they were supporting me because I was the only one to have spoken up. And the kids saw that he was outnumbered, and so just by sheer number of society telling him that's not okay, he sort of slunk off and went somewhere else. I think there are times when we as Christians do need to speak up. We need to be the authority, but we don't have to be rude to authority figures. And Peter is saying there's that balance that comes into play here. I wanted to make sure and balance this so that you don't think that we're supposed to just lay down and let people walk all over us for no reason. At work, uh, three things can happen that I've noticed, and I've seen this empirically. There's evidence to support this. That when Christian people at work start behaving like Christ and submitting to authority, even though some of the authority figures can be kind of obnoxious or self-absorbed and don't seem to care very much about the people that are under them in the workplace, other workers see your behavior when you're on the job and they start to change their attitudes. I've seen this happen in a number of workplaces personally, and I've heard of others saying the same thing. My dad worked for a company that was like that, and he said, I've just noticed that over the last couple of years, things have changed. The atmosphere has changed in our office, and it's because a couple of believers got together and started praying daily for the rest of that office, and the Holy Spirit really starts to do something supernatural to invade a space when his people get together, where two or more are gathered. There he is in the midst of them. When, when we're starting to behave like Christ, even at a very dysfunctional office space, God can show up and start changing other people's hearts. That's at the very least. Other times, the authority in charge starts to change. I've seen that a couple of times. I've seen that in one office situation where the person started going to the Christian and saying, can I talk to you a little bit? And they thought, uh-oh, am I in trouble? Because usually if you had to go into the boss's office, it was like going to the principal's office, and it was not pretty. But instead, she got in a closed door behind the office and she said, I've noticed that you seem to have a lot of knowledge about spiritual matters and I'm going through something in my life. Can I tell you about what's going on? And so the Christian became the listening ear and the wise counsel to the boss. And the boss started to change an attitude. That's because they saw something different in a person that would willingly submit to authority even though that authority figure has not been very nice at times. And then... Something else can happen. If you're persistent in being submissive in the appropriate ways, usually you're the ones that will outlast the other employees. Now, that's just a practical outgrowth of that. You probably saw this at GM, I'm sure, Mike. My dad saw that at his job. He was there for 35 years, Arizona Public Service Company. He said there was a revolving door. There were a lot of people that they would get so fed up because the boss was not, was not being good to that person that they would say or do something that sabotaged their relationship, and they'd either get fired or they'd get exasperated and quit and walk off the job. And he said, but the Christians that were trying to be submissive, as difficult as it was, took a lot of fasting and prayer on the part of some folks. They'd go home and vent about it and play softball in the backyard with his son to get rid of his anger and burn my hand a little bit. But there were times when his prayer and going back and continuing to submit and do the things his boss asked him to do, he outlasted those bad bosses until pretty soon they were replaced by a good boss. So all three of these things are positive. 
if you look at it practically speaking. And that happens because Simon Peter knew a thing or two by then. This is a transformed Simon Peter, remember? He used to be the fly off the handle and let's cut off somebody's ear if I'm angry at it. Now this is the guy saying, no, be patient, be submissive. That's a transformed Simon Peter. He says, verse 16, live as free people, but don't use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves or servants in some translations. Now, there really were servants and slaves back then. And some of these guys had been going to these Christian gatherings where they're hearing about freedom in Christ, freedom in Christ. And they're thinking, oh yeah? Well, my master's not the boss of me, Jesus is. So I've got freedom to do whatever I want to. And Peter says, no, that's the wrong interpretation of freedom in Christ. You're free to do the right things by submitting to other people, being submissive to other people, as Christ submitted for your sakes on the cross. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Even Nero. I'm not going to even ask you where you stand on the presidential race. I don't intend to speak about that publicly. But there are many, many discussions going on, most of them polarizing in nature today. Christians, we have a chance to help set the tone by how we respond in the face of a contentious culture. We have a chance to start setting the tone by refusing to retaliate and become angry and obsessive with our politics and by saying, I trust that God is sovereign. We're trusting that he is going to be in control even though we feel like our country is out of control and we need to submit to authority and even pray for our leaders regardless of what we think about them personally. Verse 18, slaves... In reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate. I mean, that would be kind of easy, right? Yeah, I can submit myself to my master because he's such a good master. He gives us 20-minute breaks instead of 15-minute breaks. And uh, he's having a, an all-slave softball game this Friday. And he's giving us free watermelon. I love my master. That's not what he's saying here. He says... Yeah, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. And then he gives his own illustration to this to give a what if. For it's commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable for, before God. I've told you before that I've heard some pastors say that there's a thing called the offense of the cross. That's those people, they're trying to live as Christ-like a manner as you can, and simply because you stand for the cross, that's offensive to some people. Some people are going to be offensive simply because you're a believer. But then there are other people that are just plain offensive. And Peter's saying, don't be just plain offensive. You try to live a Christ-like way, and then if you're enduring for suffering for doing good, that's commendable. But you're creating your own problems if you're just being offensive. Let's say that you're a Keebler elf, that your job is working in a cookie factory. I've worked in some factories before, never one that smelled as good as a cookie factory. And let's say that you and several of your other Christian co-workers are getting fed up because your boss has started to make sure that you're going to have greater output of cookies. They want to increase the productivity, and instead of doing 20,000 in your shift, you're supposed to do 22,000 cookies in your shift, and they're not going to increase your pay, even though they want greater output. And you think, well, rasa sassa frassa. 
what's wrong with this? We're, we're fed up to that. And we're going to use the typical go on strike kind of method of figuring stuff out. So I'm going to throw a literal monkey wrench into the works. And you grab a big wrench and you say, today we arise, Keebler elves. We're going to show our boss what it means when things completely come to a screeching halt. And you throw the wrench into the cogs and that conveyor belt that's carrying those nicely wafting, smelling cookies toward the packaging room, and it comes to a stop. <sighs> now, should you be commended for that? Because of your freedom in Christ, which allowed you to behave anyway, because you say, Christ is my real boss, you ain't the boss of me. I think you're going to get fired. And I don't think you're going to help the cause of Christ by behaving that way. So Peter is saying, you don't have to behave like that in order to show Christ to other people. You be submissive. We should be the most submissive people on the planet as believers in Christ. Another application that I heard about, this one I've seen a lot of, especially on game days between the Buckeyes and the Wolverines and the drivers on the highways. Uh, I love you guys, and this is not directed at you. Uh, the blood of Jesus covers even the Buckeyes. But you, and, and I've seen it on both sides uh, with some Wolverines flying their flags, driving in ways like that too. So, okay, that, that's my disclaimer. I just want you to hear my heart. Let's say that some young kid is driving like crazy, and he's trying to get to the tailgate party quickly, and so he's driving 15 over the speed limit, and a policeman pulls him over. He's thinking, oh man, I'm going to miss out on the first part of this tailgate party. And he pulls him over, and so the young man gives him his license, gives him his registration. The cop goes back to his car, runs a little background check, says, okay, the kid's clean. He's only got two little parking tickets from when he was, you know, an early young driver. And so I'm going to have to write him a ticket because clearly I clocked him. I nailed him with my radar gun. He was actually doing 15 over, so I am going to have to write that for him. But he notices on the back bumper of this kid's car, a thing that says, Jesus rocks. And so he goes up and he starts to write the kid the ticket. And then he gives him sermon number one about bumper stickers and their meaning. And he says, I am going to give you this ticket in hopes that it will remind you to do better next time. But I'm here to tell you that your speed and you're defying the legal speed limit to do what you've just done is completely miles apart, polar opposites apart from what that bumper sticker is telling me you should be doing. And the kid has to think about that. He said, because if you're a believer in Christ, Christ is telling you, you should, you should be submissive to the authorities, and the authorities are there to protect you. That's what these laws are for. So think about that the next time you're on the road. Not just because you have to dole out the money to pay for this, but the reason why you should be submissive. I thought, that's a pretty good cop. And I've actually met a guy. Uh, Joy and I have become friends with Zach. He's a highway patrolman. We met him at Donna Guy's husband's memorial service and the dinner to follow. And Zach told me just this week that he pulled a young man over, and he was a guy, well, I shouldn't say too young. He was probably in his 30s. Uh, don't know the man's name, and so this is completely anonymous. I asked him permission to share it, and he said, yeah, I won't give you the name, and if you don't give the name, it's anonymous. I think it's okay. He said, I pulled him over. He was driving a dump truck. He kind of blew through a right-hand turn on red, without stopping, and so I pulled him over, and I noticed that he had some tattoos, and one was a marine tattoo, and another was a cross, and so I just kind of went and did a background check, and I came back, and I said, are you, did you serve? He said, I did, and he said, I've kind of got PTSD because a Humvee that I was driving hit a bomb, 
and it blew us up, and he lifted up his pant leg, and he had a metal leg. And he said, I'm on some medications. He said, well, I was going to ask that. He said, are you on some medications? He says, I am, but they're legal medications, and they're stuff that help keep the shaking down. He said, because some of the stuff from my fibromyalgia and stuff makes me shake. And he said, but I'm within legal limits on everything, and, and I've got prescriptions for these things. And he says, I believe you. He said, thank you for your service to our country. And he said, and I see the cross, too. What does that mean? And he said, well, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. And I understand that what I've done is wrong, and I need to pay the, the penalty if I've done something wrong, and I'm okay with that. He said, but I was clean and sober for a couple of years now, with thanks to Jesus Christ, who's been the rock of my life. And Zach, this guy must have gotten the one good cop around that could say a thing like that. Zach said, I'm going to give you a verbal warning this time, because I understand that what you're going through is really tough. He said, but would you please be reminded to just take it really easy, especially around those corners, and stop at reds. Who does that? But he encouraged him. See, there's something that happens that just starts. Did you feel the shift even in our attitudes and in our emotions as I was sharing that story? When we behave with respect toward authority, it changes the atmosphere around us. And that's because the Holy Spirit gets involved and there's something that's intangible that we can't put our finger on that God uses to touch other people as we submit to authority. And sometimes we get lucky and they give us a warning. My girls always learned how to cry when they got pulled over. No, Callie hasn't. My oldest daughter has learned to cry when she got pulled over and she got a warning twice and never got a ticket. That just seems unfair. <laughs> She was, it wasn't pretty, I'm, I'm just airing my dirty laundry right here. My youngest daughter says that my oldest daughter wasn't pretending. She was really crying when she got pulled over. But anyway, submit like Christ submitted. That's what Peter is telling us we should do. And then he gives us this real good, strong uh, theological reason, just like that cop did in the one example that I gave, a theological reason why we should really behave when we're behind the wheel or where we park or even how we park so we're not taking up a half of another person's parking space. It's not because we're trying to get brownie points for being good. It's because we represent somebody to other people. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He was our example. He says, now you're my example. So even when we're doing stuff on the job with bosses that give us work at the last minute, even in school or if you're a homeschooler when your mom makes you turn in that report, or even when we're late for something and we have to throttle ourselves back and say, no, I'm going to drive in a way that if I have an LWC, if you have an LWCC sticker on your car, you had better obey the speed limit, folks. <laughs> Come on now. Peter goes on, verse 22, he committed no sin. He wasn't obnoxious. He committed no sin. He had no reason to be punished for the way he was punished, and yet he was punished anyway. There was no deceit found in his mouth. There was no guile. The result of his suffering is yours and my eternal healing. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. And boy, could he have ever. He could have called 10,000 angels. You know that song? Good old gospels tune. He could have. He could have called down all kinds of armies from heaven and said, sick them. 
Boom, it would have been all over. Drop the mic. Is that current? Mic, mic drop. Yeah, I'm, I'm unintentionally hip and sometimes I'm not very hip. He could have done that and he didn't. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. There's the clue for us. If we're feeling like, man, that's so unjust, that's so unfair, and you want to retaliate somehow, you want to complain to somebody, I'm going to lodge a complaint, or I'm going to write a strongly worded email, or I'm going to complain to my fellow coworkers, and we're going to throw a corporate wrench into things. When we're tempted to that, remember that we can entrust ourselves into the care of the one who does judge justly. And then he says, for you were like sheep going astray, past tense. You were that way. But now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. We end with this true story. Went to church with this person at the previous church before we came to Living Water. She gave her testimony a couple of years after I met her. I didn't know that she'd been through what she'd been through. This woman was married to a guy that was not very friendly. I wouldn't say he was abusive, but he wasn't real warm and fuzzy. It was a difficult marriage for her for a while. And she went to a woman's retreat, probably not too dissimilar from a retreat that some of our ladies have just gone on recently. And she said, the speaker was saying, just live like Christ and submit anyway. Act as though you're living like you love this guy. Act it out and see if it doesn't change his heart somewhere down the road. So she started trying to do that. And it was tough at first because he wasn't usually very, you know, oh, thank you, dear. You mean so much to me. Thank you for making a wonderful breakfast. It was like, now he's going to find one thing to say. You burn the toast, you know, whatever. But she kept loving him and acting as though he were the most important person in her life. And after a few months of this, she noticed a difference in his demeanor. He started to pay more attention to some of the things that she was sharing in her life. He started sneaking in and reading the devotional book that she had by the little coffee table in the living room, it was like he was taking just little peeks at it, trying to find out, oh. And after a while, eventually, she comes to find out that he's been sort of sneaking off to do some of a study on his own, and he came to faith in Christ. It was a lengthy journey, but it did happen, and that was because she was being submissive as Christ was submissive for our sakes, and he was the example to her, and, he, and she became an example to her husband. Later, he started to feel a sense of call in his own life to vocational ministry. He went to Bible school. He wound up becoming a pastor and served for several years. And it was a submissive wife that led him to the Lord in the first place. There's something powerful that happens when we behave in a way that the world thinks is peculiar. Let me share one more quick thing. This is a little parenthetical note, and I'll stop, I promise. My wife shared with me, this was not gossip, it was merely telling the truth about what happened on the women's retreat, that there was a men's group there at the same location. And it was from another church. I would not have expected our men to behave this way. And if they had, they would have heard from me about it. They were from some church in a Detroit suburb, and a couple of them were unloading some equipment, and they had completely ignored the signs that were put there by an authority figure that said no parking here. In fact, there were some places where it was a, a fire lane, which means it's illegal to park there. Now, all of us have probably parked for a couple of minutes to unload something quickly in a fire lane, but we shouldn't do that. 
And they shouldn't just leave their trucks there and then go inside and forget that their trucks are out there for long periods of time. Not to mention the fact that there was only one way that was supposed to be the entrance, so it was one way, and things got really messed up. They were just balling up the whole works. They were throwing the monkey wrench in the Keebler Elf factory. That's why we need each other, so we can finish the pastor's sentences when he can't come up with stuff. And so my lovely wife, being a conscientious person, trying to look out for the interests of everybody there, Ask somebody politely, do you think it might be possible for you to move this just a little bit so we can get some of the other cars there? And the guy's response was, nope. And, and I thought, how do you spell? <laughs> because I couldn't believe that response. And I thought, folks, this is exactly what I'm talking about here. Those are the people that other people could point to and say, those Christians... Because they can talk all about morality, but there are certain things that don't seem to apply to them because they just don't want to respect authority that way. If they had been thoughtful, even of the other people, whether it was authority or not, there are so many other ways that they could have handled that situation. So I bring them up as a cautionary tale to say, shame on them. They should know better. It would be really great if the teaching that week at their retreat was all about how to submit to authority. I also recognize that certain people are not as far along in their walk as other people too. And so I have to temper that by saying, God, give me the grace to be gracious to people that are not gracious back to me. Help me to show as an example to them what it can look like if I am being properly submissive, and yet help me to be an authority when I need to be and speak up when there needs to be something said so that we don't just let people walk all over other people. Help me find that Christ-like balance because you did that for me, and now I'm the example for others. Will you help hold me accountable to do that as we all together try to walk that way? Let's do that together, shall we? Let's pray together. Father, oh, clearly, I just, uh, I feel the, that hotness around my ears when I talk about this subject because I realize how quickly I can default to being like Simon Peter wanting to grab the sword rather than like the transformed Simon Peter. And I recognize that's a tendency in me. I've got that struggle with the old nature that still wants to grab the reins. So I'm praying that I will be submissive to you as you were submissive, and that I will be an example to others, and that our whole body of Christ will continue to live that way as an example to others, so that whether it's at home, whether it's at school, whether it's at work, people are gonna be drawn to the Christ in us as we are the most submissive people on the planet in the proper way. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.